At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome into the pregame show on the Sports Betting Network. I'm Brady Cannon, live at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa in fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. My partner James Salinas is along in Denver, Colorado on this longest day of the year, June 20th, the summer solstice, and also a very happy Father's Day to you, James. Same to you, Brady. Happy Father's Day to you. Happy summer solstice to you, too. We got You talk about the longest day of the year. Uh, it's going to be that way because we've got so much action to get to and talk about. Yeah, this is always one of the greatest daylight until about, oh, 8.30 local time here and uh, the U.S. Open going on Father's Day, a good Sunday ahead for sure. And as always is the case, the U.S. Open crowns its winner on Father's Day, and they will do that a little later this afternoon at Torrey Pines Golf Course in La Jolla, California. The leaders will tee off in about four hours from now. Mackenzie Hughes and Louis Oosthuizen will be in the final pairing at five under par for the champ. Championship and Louis Oosthuizen is the betting favorite overnight at three to one. Of course, he already has a major championship to his credit. He's been in this position many times. Russell Henley is also tied for the lead at five under par. He is in the penultimate pairing and he is paired with Rory McIlroy. McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau are the second choices at about 5-1, to one, and then Henley in the neighborhood of 7-1. to one. And Louis Oosthuizen, very interesting, James. I'm not sure if you knew this, but he has the bridesmaid grand slam, if you will. He has finished second in every major championship, along with that British Open win in 2010. Uh, if you look at some of the trends here, 58 of the last 60 U.S. Open winners have been within four shots of the lead heading into the final round. So anybody at one under par or better technically in the mix here according to that trend did you have any pre-tournament uh, action for this major championship James or did you do anything heading into Sunday's championship round Brady I haven't done anything so I didn't have anything pre-tournament or through round three so I'm going to lean on you here if there's somebody that doesn't have any position on any particular golfer right now knowing where we stand here and it's going to be a long day like you said not everybody we still got a number of uh, tee times to come with the top of the leaderboard so we're going to have that long summer solstice day when it comes to the U.S. Open if we were going to get involved today and you didn't have a position on anybody at this time Brady how far down this leaderboard you talked about it within Four shots of the lead. How far down this leaderboard, based on what we see current prices with certain players, where would you be going? 
Well, I would hold to that trend. I think four shots is reasonable. Any deeper than that gets a little uh, bit of a long shot in my mind, and not only obviously in price, but uh, a needle in a haystack of that type of thing happening. The way this golf course is playing, and really all U.S. Opens, you're not going to necessarily, I mean, Johnny Miller's 63 at Oakmont and whatever year that was, that was absolutely an outlier. I don't think anybody's going to shoot 63 today. I think you could shoot 67. That's the lowest round we've seen through the championship so far. And uh, somebody just may be capable of doing that on Sunday. Now, you look at these pin positions. I believe it's like 16 out of the 18 pins are tucked within six paces from the edges of the green, James. And if you've been watching any of this championship, you see the rough around the edges of the greens. It's just brutal. So if you're missing, if you're firing at pins today and missing, you're going to have some trouble getting up and down. I have pre-tournament bets on Xander Shoffley at 20 to 1 and John Rahm at 13 to 1. I did add a little bit of a piece, uh, kind of an insurance policy on Russell Henley and Louis Eustazen today. So I've got four guys in the mix there, and, and that's probably who I would look at. I think, James, I don't know if you're aware of the whole narrative here for John Rahm. Of course, a couple weeks ago, he had the positive COVID test at the memorial. He was forced to withdraw. So this is kind of sweet redemption for him. But he also goes to a place, Torrey Pines, where he won his first PGA Tour event ever in 2017. He came from three strokes back on that day. He also came from three shots back last summer at the BMW to win that. He proposed to his wife at Torrey Pines. His family is here that he hasn't seen in over a year because of COVID. So this place is obviously special to him. It's a special week for him with his family in town. Father's Day, he has a brand new child in his family. So the storyline is fantastic for John Rahm, and he's really yet to put together that big-time round. He hasn't played awful, but he hasn't fired on all cylinders just yet. And if that round happens today, I think he's your champion. Brady, the other piece, too, and, and thinking about it, not only for John Rahm, but if you're going to be handicapping this and looking at these tee times, we know that the weather early uh, early out there at Torrey Pines is always pretty overcast, and then it starts to get sunny and dry out. Have you noticed how the, how the greens have changed or how the play has changed from where it starts early in the day to how it progresses throughout the day? Yeah, I think by the time the leaders tee off, those greens are going to be very firm and fast, and I think they've gotten increasingly firmer and faster as the week has gone on. Now with those tough pin positions, I mean, if Louis Eustazen or Russell Henley or Mackenzie Hughes shoots even par today, that might be good enough, James. Uh, I, I can't wait to watch it. Uh, but as far as, uh, you know, making a bet going into today, I'd probably stick with those guys that are four shots or better off of the lead. It seems like Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau may have shot their best round on Saturday. I don't know if they're going to be able to reproduce that today. I'd probably stay away from them and look towards a guy like a Shoffley or a Rahm, maybe even a Dustin Johnson a little further down the board that is maybe due for a, a championship-type Sunday. And then I'd also probably take a little piece with uh, Louie or Henley. I, I don't think Mackenzie Hughes is going to get it done. He's relatively new to this type of spotlight and uh, shot a hell of a round on Saturday. I don't think he's going to be. On Saturday night, they get it done over the nets in overtime, 115 to 111. They went right as two-point underdogs, and the game goes over the total. They advance to the Eastern Conference Final and will face the winner of the Hawks 76ers series. And the Bucks become the first team to win on the road in this series with the Brooklyn Nets. 
and thinking about the Nets from from their perspective of was it the it was not the full Brooklyn Nets that we've seen. Well, we really didn't see the big three, at least in the regular season, play out too often. Uh, but here, obviously, with Kyrie Irving going down mid-series with that ankle injury, James Harden having to come back in the latter part of the series, but clearly playing on one leg. That hamstring really hampered his ability, really his ability to try to beat anybody off the dribble and really had to settle for a lot of long long jumpers and is didn't have the legs in him. Everything was upper body. It was all shoulders and torso shooting the basketball. A lot of short shots, so really had to rely on KD. Now thinking about that game five that KD had, sensational game from Kevin Durant and another tremendous game last night. Now he wears a size 18 shoe, Brady. We talk about sports and a lot of these games, it's a game of inches. Kevin Durant, <laughs> size 18 shoe. If he had a size 17 and a half, maybe it is the uh, maybe it's the Nets advancing because I thought it was in. I was I was in my garage actually working in the garage with the game on. I thought when the shot went in, I thought it was a three and it was good. And they obviously had to go and review it. You're talking a game of inches or at least when you're talking about shoe size, maybe even just a half an inch. Yeah, I was with you. I had I ended up uh, making a small play on the Bucks plus two, and I thought I had a winner right there. Well, it turns out I got a winner anyway. But uh, I was happy to see Giannis advance, and uh, what a ball game indeed for both Giannis and Kevin Durant. Another game seven tonight, James, to determine who those Bucks will meet in the Eastern Conference Final. It'll be the Atlanta Hawks at the Philadelphia 76ers, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And the Sixers are a decent-sized favorite here, laying six and a half points on the side with a total of 216. And this has actually ticked down a bit. Philadelphia was a seven-point favorite, and the total has dipped as well. Brady, I took it at seven. It just to me the number was just it's game seven and and thinking about your everything's on the line, obviously, for both sides. And Atlanta, that game six just kind of looked like they really ran out of gas, in particular for Trey Young. Now, Trey Young has had a special playoff, both in that Knicks series and in this Philadelphia series. To me, obviously, it beats a really tough matchup for any team going forward of the size, the strength, his length to be able to shoot it deep as well as post and play with his back to the basket. But to me, Trey Young has been the best player on the floor for either team and the most difficult player to contain. But it really felt like in that fourth quarter, he needed to defer because it takes so much energy. He's the one facilitating the offense each and every possession. And that's where the Hawks fell short. Not that Trey Young's fault that they fell short. Another spectacular game. But... Where was John Collins? No show shooting the ball, two of eight. Bogdanovich had to leave, didn't play in the fourth quarter with his knee injury, whatever that whatever that status might be going into today. But now coming back here for Philadelphia and thinking about feels like the the playing on the road has been better in this situation. You mentioned the Bucks series where that was the first game in those seven games where the road team actually won a game. This one here in this series, it feels like you're better off going on the road as road warriors to go win. Not the saying that I think the Hawks win, because I don't. I feel like it I think Philadelphia and Bede will step up again and the key will be can they keep him off the free throw line the last game he did not get to the foul line he only took what he took four free throws he had been averaging double digit free throw attempts through the first five games in the series so they limited his uh, his they played defense without fouling uh, were a little more aggressive with the double teams they've been a bit passive through the series more aggressive with those double teams to try to get the ball out of Embiid's hand and, and I just feel like for the Hawks yeah they missed their opportunity opportunity in game six to to close out that series but here this is a young team that has nothing to lose they're playing with house money all the pressure squarely on the Philadelphia 76ers at home hence I did take seven 
plus the, I took the dog plus the seven in the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought that number was a little bit rich, and I have not gotten involved in this game. But, James, at the same time, I do feel like Philadelphia is going to find a way to win this game. I don't think they're going to win by eight, nine, ten points. I think it'll be a tight game, and I, and I would be on the Hawks plus the points. But I, I think Embiid is going to take charge. We'll look at his player props a little later in the program. I think he's going to have a big game. I think Ben Simmons has to step up. Uh, we've seen this guy's performances the last couple of nights out, and they have been disappointing. I think he comes to play today, and Tobias Harris, I think he will chip in with a good night as well. I think that'll be enough to advance them to the Eastern Conference Final, but I'm with you with the points, my friend. In thinking about, you talked about the Sixers and a few of them. Harris Harris had a big game in that game six at Atlanta. Simmons Simmons doesn't want the ball. He doesn't want to shoot the basketball right now. No confidence shooting the basketball. And we know that's not his strength or his skill set. And obviously going to the free throw line if they end up going that route again to look to foul him as the you know down in the fourth quarter prior to the two minutes. That might be an option too that I think Atlanta will exercise. But are we going to see the same type of game out of Maxie that came off the bench? He was sensational especially in that second half, really shouldering some of that scoring load because we really haven't seen much off the bench for the Sixers. They've had to maneuver their their rotation a little bit with the loss of Danny Green. Now, not that Danny Green was an impactful player offensively for Philadelphia in the series, but he is a veteran and somebody that can stretch the floor and shoot it. So uh, I think here, this is what the, the question for me is going to be, and I'm going to bank on plus the seven, not only on Trey Young, but I feel like the other young players on that Hawks team are going to have to play better. And I think this is the opportunity for them to step up and redeem themselves. John Collins, no show in that game on in game six. And I think here with Lou Williams, he didn't make a shot. He was 0 for 5 from the floor and didn't play very well. And I think Gallo. Now, Gallo's the one, Brady, that I feel like he's he, he he's really had kind of a roller coaster ride throughout the first two series as well as the Knicks series. But he is a veteran player, does have some size and not afraid to. He can shoot the basketball from the outside, but he will also get down and back his way down into the post. So I think that's going to be key. What do we see out of Atlanta off the bench with their two veterans who've been there and done that for a long time in Gallo and Williams? I think both of those guys have to have big games tonight to keep them competitive, and I think they do. That's why I like the Hawks plus the seven. Game one in the Western Conference final gets underway this afternoon in Phoenix, 1230 Pacific time, 330 Eastern for the tip between the Suns and the Los Angeles Clippers. Of course, Kawhi Leonard did not make the trip to Phoenix with his team due to that knee injury. And Chris Paul still in COVID protocol. He will not be in the lineup for game one. Your series price, I was a little uh, surprised, and maybe this is influenced by Kawhi's injury, but your series price, Phoenix anywhere from minus 200 to minus 225 to take this series in advance to the finals. The Clippers on the take back about plus 175 or plus 185. Game one this afternoon, Suns favored by four with a total of 220, James. Thinking about the series prices, it's just really tricky right now. Don't suspe- I suspect that it is an ACL injury for Kawhi Leonard. We don't know that for certain, but uh, they know what that looks like. They've had the MRI, and maybe it's just mind games playing with their opponent as they roll into this Western Conference final game one against the Suns. I'm not going to get involved with the series, not only with Kawhi Leonard's status up in the air, but also with Chris Paul. I think the difference for both these teams is for the Suns, we know who clearly who the leader and the facilitator is for the Suns. It is Chris 
Chris Paul. And we have not really seen the Suns. We haven't seen too many games with the Suns playing without Chris Paul. He played 70 games so in the regular season, so only missed two games, as opposed to Kawhi Leonard missed 20 games during the regular season. So I think from the Clippers' standpoint, they're used to playing without Kawhi Leonard on the floor, and we saw that the last couple games against Utah and how well they played and shared the ball and how many players played with confidence and stepped up. Think about Terrence Mann in that game six, how sensational he was, as well as Reggie Jackson throughout the course of that series stepped up and made a lot of big shots and playing with a lot of confidence. So I think from the Clippers' perspective, this is a team that's used to being that playing without their, their championship-caliber player there in Kawhi Leonard. I need to see what is that going to look like for the Suns, especially on the offensive side with no Chris Paul. I'm not going to get involved with the series right now until I know where we're going to go with the status of Chris Paul. But I think for game one, Brady, I, I think I'm going to roll with the momentum. I'm going to roll with momentum over fatigue with the Clippers right now. No Chris Paul for the Suns, even though they're rested in that home. Plus four with the Clippers. I think that momentum carries over from game the last game against Utah on Friday. Rolls into game one here in, in Phoenix tonight. I'll take Clippers plus the four. Well, you just answered my question. I was going to ask you, do you like the rested Phoenix team or do you like the momentum from the Clippers team? And there you go. You're going to go with the Clippers plus the four. I think this is a good spot for them because we saw in the Lakers series that Phoenix team is really an entirely different team without their floor leader in Chris Paul. We'll see if that plays out tonight. Again, Phoenix a heavy favorite to win the series, a four-point favorite in the game tonight. And we've seen the under hit a little bit on the total, currently at 220 across the board here in Las Vegas. We'll talk a little hockey up next on the pregame show right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. on Saturday on Long Island and the New York Islanders even their best of seven series with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning three to two. They did so as about a plus 115 underdog. The total landed right on the number of five. New York got off to a three nothing lead after two periods and then Tampa Bay stormed back to make it three to two and nearly tied the game in the final seconds. Quite an exciting ending to this finish of game four between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Lightning. Now the adjusted series price. Tampa Bay back down to a minus 250 favorite to win this thing. The best of seven. New York on the take back at plus 210. And James, what was your reaction to game four on Saturday night? Uh, another beauty at the Nassau Coliseum. A big swipe of the brow with <laughs> sweating that one because I, I took New York in game so did three I. and Good lost that you. one. I had him. I had them put well, and so game three, I had the Islanders plus a quarter, lost that one, and then came right back with them again yesterday plus the 50. I got them at 15 cents as well as the dog. And a three nothing. So, like I told you, I was working in my garage. Normally, I'm here in the command center. I got multiple TVs going on, but I was busy. I had things to do last night. And so, I was keeping an eye more so on the basketball game, especially when they got up three nothing. I think that was the, the key there. And we've seen this out of Tampa in a few games, not only in this series, but and multiple games throughout the 
the playoffs, if they fall behind early, if they so right now they're zero and four when they don't score first. And normally they're most most of the games that they play in the playoffs they're scoring first. But I, I think the last two games in Nassau for the Islanders, they've been the better team in the second in the second period, and that was clearly the case yesterday. So I felt a little comfortable with the lead was where it was, and then come to find come flip back and forth, come to find out. I didn't see how that game ended. I did see the replays of it. And, uh, I mean, heads-up play, obviously, by, by the Islanders defenseman to skate over and the, the little backhand spin around, whatever that looked like, to be able to block that right basically at the buzzer. But I just feel like for the Islanders here, this is a, me- a really mentally tough team. And, and not that Tampa isn't. This is the defending Stanley Cup champions. So I, I've, I've been trending. I, I've been, you know, a little cautious to go against them. But I did go against them in both games in Nassau in favor of the Islanders and fortunately wiped the brow sweat away. They were able to come out with that victory and now 2-2. We've got a three-game series to get to the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and if you look at the uh, exact results of the series, the prices, the New York Islanders are actually favored. The Lightning to win uh, four games to two, the Lightning in six is plus 375. The Lightning to win in seven is plus 350. The Islanders to win in six is plus 175, and the Islanders to win in seven is plus 225. I find that very interesting because the New York Islanders are a pretty good-sized dog for Game 5 when we head back to Tampa. Looking at minus 185 on the money line here in favor of the Lightning with a total of 5. Can you make sense of the exact series result versus the Game 5 line, James? I'm right there with you, Brady. I can't. It feels like it should be reversed, right? Considering that Tampa for to win the series right now is still laying two dollars or uh, a little bit more in some places. But yeah, to think that, and I, I think if I was going to do that now, I haven't gotten involved in this series. I've gotten involved in plenty of series throughout the Stanley Cup playoffs. This one in particular, I have not gotten involved with with any kind of series price or adjusted series price at this point. But looking at the Lightning now, if the Lightning go back, hold serve, and win Game Five at home I'm not gonna I I don't like their chances thinking about how rowdy and raucous that Nassau Coliseum is and the fact that that New York they they've been there and done that before they were in the same scenario in game four yesterday that they were in the previous two series against the Bruins as well as the Islanders now they made some changes and were able to to run through the rest of the those series with the changes they made in game four maybe that's where that number sits because they did that the previous two series but this is a whole different animal when you're talking about the lightning I think if I was going to get involved, I'd probably be looking at the Lightning to win in seven games, plus 350. Yeah, I have the feeling that this is going seven. I could certainly see New York winning on the road at Tampa Bay on Monday night, but I could also see Tampa Bay coming back to Long Island and winning there on the road. It feels like whatever scenario happens over the next couple days, we're headed for seven games in this one, James. And I think you make a good point there with what the Islanders did to both the Penguins and the Bruins in six. And I think maybe that's and, – and that brings confidence. And I think with Barry Trotz, yeah, I'm not a fan of any teams, but I am a fan of – I am a fan of players and I am a fan of coaches. And I'm definitely a fan of Barry Trotz. You know what the identity is when he got to New York a few years ago. They play like that very tough-minded team on the defensive side. And I, I think if Tampa wins, I think it's going to be very difficult for them to close out a series in NASA. And I'm right there with you, Brady. This, this series smells like it's going to be seven games. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens. They are in action tonight. Game four of their very interesting series with the Knights down two games to one. It's the pregame show right here on VEASAN, the sports betting network. 
This summer, it's time to update your sports betting wardrobe with some new VEASAN gear. We've got hats, shirts, and mugs with the VEASAN logo, or for fun sports betting sayings like cash and tickets is what it's all about, and it's not under till it's over, or the baseball one I've got on here about needing a revolver and a bottle of whiskey to sweat baseball. Visit the VEASAN store today at VEASAN.com slash store and find the perfect item for yourself or as a gift. That's VEASAN.com slash store. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you on the pregame show. And James, before we get to the action on the ice tonight, one more comment about game five between the Knights, or excuse me, between the Lightning and the New York Islanders coming up on Monday. It seemed we're kind of undecided with what to do on this thing. We both seem to think it, it could go seven games here. Would you do anything with game five and that juicy underdog price on the Islanders at about plus 150? Feels like I should, but I think at this point here, with with how I've been escaping some of these some of these games lately and winning some of these dog prices, I think I'm, I'm probably going to stand pat. <laughs> thinking more about it, I was thinking about it during the break and thinking about that game, the 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 curious pricing, right? The adjusted price, the series pricing right now of where that stands, and thinking about the Lightning to win in seven games plus the three fifty, that might be a spot that I go to. And then there's that's kind of the 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 one beauty about being able to get involved with some of these not only series prices beforehand but adjusted series prices as it continues is there's always ways to either add on and or get yourself off of those some of those prices so i'm i'm going to consider that but i think as far as game five right now i'm i'm still sitting here undecided which way to go All right, very good. On the ice tonight, it is game four between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Montreal Canadiens up in the Bell Center. This will be at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern for the puck drop. And this, of course, comes off of Friday night's brutal loss for VGK in overtime. And Montreal now has a 2-1 series lead. Vegas is a pretty heavy favorite on the road tonight, James, seeing anywhere from minus 175 to as high as minus 180. And a total of five and a half kind of all over the map here on the total total of five and a half that is juiced to the under and of course some fives out there that are juiced to the over this one I'm not undecided about. I'm going to roll with the Canadians again. Now, mm. I feel very fortunate that I was able to to take that Canadian and cash that, that Canadians ticket in game three, especially with just a couple minutes to go. And then thank you. Thank you. Thanks to to Flurry. And we, we didn't, I think when we're betting on sports now, usually I feel like those are the breaks that go against me when I'm having, when, when I'm on a certain side. But in this case here, uh, worked out. But I think that's the thing with Flurry. Now, he's not going to be in goal tonight. So he is not. Not the announced goalie, uh, or at least the expected goalie to start. We'll we'll see if that's confirmed yet or not. But it, it's what I was reading. It was they were going to go to Robin Lerner to go in there and and start this game for for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I think goalie aside, I, thinking about where Montreal is right now and going back to the very first round of the playoffs against. Toronto. They were down three to one. Everybody counted about moving on. They're going to move. The Leafs are going to move on. They're expected to do big things here in the Stanley Cup playoffs and such a tough minded team that we've seen out of the Canadians. Since that, they were down three to one. They've won nine out of 10 games. This is a team and they've won four of those games in overtime. So battle tested team right now, a team that's been maybe they're relishing the role of being this underdog because they have been the underdog through through a number of these playoff games and series, obviously. So sitting here, I did 
didn't take it. I, I think the price point for me was just too juicy to pass up in a, in a game that could go. A lot of these games, it, it comes down to, you know, the uh, a puck goes off somebody's skate, and we saw the, the miscue by Flurry there at, towards the end of game uh, game three, a couple minutes left in the third period. But at plus 155 is the best number that I was able to find. I'm going to roll with the hot team right now with the Canadians that uh, I feel like they're, even though there's only 3,500 fans at that Bell Center for the Canadians, they sure make their presence felt. And I think we've seen the Canadians feed off of that home crowd. Yeah, I'm seeing uh, as low as plus 150 on the Canadians and as high as plus 165. And I think you bring up the point about who's going to be between the pipes for Vegas. It's very interesting. I thought maybe Marc-Andre Fleury should not have started game one. Of course, they did that against the Avalanche coming off of that seven-game set with Minnesota to rest him and going into the altitude. And, and I was thinking to myself, if they're going to win this, they could play as many as 14 more games going into the series with Montreal, maybe give him a rest again in game one. They didn't do that. They won. But this is maybe a good spot to give him a rest again. And, and betters, casual betters, might think, oh, Fleury's not in. Let's, let's bet the Canadiens. It might be psychologically a real motivational. Obviously, the Vegas Golden Knights are motivated. They really have to win this game. Um, but maybe with Leonard in there, that maybe that gives them a little something extra. Hey, we're going to give our guy a break. Our number one gets a break. And, and we've really got to rally the troops here for Robin Leonard. And potentially so. I mean, we're going to see effort from both teams. I mean, it's a huge game. It, we're down to we're the final four. No, it's not really the conference finals at this point with the, the change with the divisions for this year due to COVID. But ultimately, let's just call it the final four. And so you would think both sides are going to have that energy with the Canadians knowing, hey, we can take a stranglehold on this series. We win this game four at home, go up three to one in this series and in full control going forward. And you're going to see a desperate effort out of the Vegas. Golden Knights, but you talked about Andre Fleury and the rest. Yeah, I think physically, is this what it is, or is it a mental break from that gaff that he had to close out the third period and ended up, they, you know, then the Knights lose that game. Not so, not that they lost because of it. They still had an opportunity. It wasn't like that was the game winner that the Canadians scored with two minutes to go in that third period. It was still overtime, and his teammates had an opportunity to, to pick him up and, and do what you do as a team, and obviously they weren't able to get that done, and the Canadians were able to finish him off in overtime. But, yeah, can that be a rallying point? Or can that be a question mark, too? I don't know. I, I wasn't playing this based on the fact was who was in goal as far as that number. It was more so for me, Brady, the price point. I wish I could find the one. I looked. I don't see a plus 165, so I took what I thought was going to be our best number out here in Colorado, plus 155 for the Canadians. I just like where this team's mindset is at right now. They've won 9 out of 10 games since being down 3-1 to one to Toronto. Their pen penalty kill has been sensational in those 10 games. I'm not even sure if they've given up power play goal. They've been terrific uh, as far as their penalty kill goes. And then the other X factor here, we haven't talked about it, is Carey Price. And Price has been terrific. He's been terrific throughout the playoffs. And in particular, this series, he had 43 saves on Friday night. He's stopped 98 save or shots so far out of 106 so far through the first three games of this series. So you have Carey Price on the back end here for the Canadians, playing at home again with an opportunity to take a stranglehold on this series at 3-1, to one, plus 155 at home. 
I got to roll with the home dog here, Brady. It's just too give uh, too juicy of a price for me to pass. The price is right for sure. What about the series price? Vegas is still favored anywhere from minus 140 to minus 160 to win this series. Uh, we'll talk about that one on the other side, James. We've got one more segment to go. See what your opinion here is on the Montreal Canadiens and Vegas from a series price standpoint. Where do you think this one is headed? And we'll get into some NBA player props as well for the two games on the hardwood. And also a quick look at the Diamonds before we get out of here on the pregame show on VSIN. Sports Betting Network, Brady Cannon and James Salinas getting you ready for a day full of action on this Father's Day, the longest day of the year. Happy summer solstice to everybody as well. And James, uh, I want to get into the NBA player props for the two contests in the NBA playoffs today. But first, we were uh, finishing that last segment talking about the series price on VGK. And I know for this game four coming up this evening, you're looking at the big juicy price there on the dog at home. The Canadians in the neighborhood of plus 155 plus 160. Vegas is still a decent sized favorite to win this series in the neighborhood of minus 150. What do you think about that? And is there a situation where maybe you can set yourself up, you know, with both sides here for a profit? You could. I, I'm kicking myself. I, I don't have a position on this series at all, whether it was beforehand or anywhere through the adjusted series prices. I was really tempted to take the Canadians when it opened. They were sitting, I saw some places, plus $4, and it just seemed like this is just such a, a – again, we, we talk about price points, and, and, yeah, going into that series, thinking about the Vegas Golden Knights, clearly the, the better team, more so the deeper team, I think, but – the, the Canadians were the hot team rolling in, not that the Vegas Golden Knights weren't, but they had to go through some struggles that first round against Minnesota and just liking where the Canadians were. So I think when I when I feel like I missed a really good number plus the $4, uh, then I kind of like I get into this mindset where I don't feel like I talk to myself, James, don't chase. Don't feel like you're chasing <laughs> and trying to get some of that back. And and then when it's, it's I start arguing with myself when I do it, then I know just get out of the way and, and step away from it. So I don't know really where to go. I haven't gotten involved I don't think I will get involved I've just been going game to game and the first game I got involved with with this series was game three for the Canadians so I've obviously I'm involved again here with game four in favor of the Canadians I think just sitting at that plus price if I was gonna do something here yeah is it is it something where the Knights can if they're gonna win this series here you're looking at better games you're laying laying more money on where they're sitting 150 160 in some places to win the series if the Knights win this, it's probably going to be, it feels like a seven-game series now, and it's plus two and a quarter. If I was getting involved, that might be the way I go here. But right now, I like where the Canadians are at. I don't want to go against them, and then it's bad karma for me if I'm trying to find a Vegas price on a series when I like the Canadians to win the night and take a stranglehold in the series up 3-1. You talk about fighting yourself there uh, to not chase. It's like the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, and the angel has a big sign holding up sports betting discipline. Sports betting discipline, yes. just as important as picking winners, isn't it? Let's see if we can find a few winners 
in the NBA prop market, and we'll look at the Hawks and 76ers game seven tonight in Philadelphia. And looking at the Atlanta Hawks side, James, I was uh, talking earlier about this game when we were previewing it. I think the 76ers will find a way to win. I don't want to lay the points with them, but I think if they are going to win, they're going to have to contain Trey Young for the Atlanta Hawks. And you look at his point total. That looks awful high, James, at 30 and a half. I'm leaning towards the under for the points on Trey Young. I think for Trey Young, yeah, and he's going to have to facilitate the entire offense, and he's been doing that all all, all series long, and as well against the Knicks. And yeah, they're going to need to. He's not. A, I think the one thing that I've really appreciated about watching this, this Hawks team through the playoffs is how well this team shares the basketball. There's not guys out there that feel like I got to get my touches. I need my touches. They're, they have good movement off the ball when it comes to spotting up off the off the bounce when there's dribble penetration and and kind of flaring out to open spots. For for threes, and then passing up a good shot for a great shot, and that's what we've seen out of Atlanta. So a team not afraid to share the basketball, and Trey Young uh, uh, offensively a point guard in a sense, but a scoring point guard for sure. That also trusts his teammates, and that's what I think the biggest thing for me with Atlanta is I like the chemistry on this team. I like how they trust each other. It is a very young team outside of the couple veterans that come off the bench for the Hawks. Where I was looking here was, yeah, I think the 30 points is pretty high, but I was looking at we know we've seen the range from Trey Young throughout the playoffs, and he's not afraid. As soon as he comes across half court, right there at that jump circle logo, he's been launching them up there too with plenty of confidence and knocking those down. Uh, I was looking for some alternate prices for his made three-point attempts, and I have one here: made four, three, uh, three-point maids four at four or more. So in the case here, you got to hit four, but it's sitting at plus 170. To me, that's pretty juicy for a player who is going to, know, he knows he's got to facilitate the offense, but he's not afraid to shoot it from deep. Shoots with a lot of confidence. I think that's probably the route I'm going to go with the plus price here, plus 170, plus the fact that since I already have a position on Atlanta plus the seven, I, I don't know if I want to be rooting for any Philadelphia props to go over. So I may just stay away from all the Philly player props because I'm rooting for them to miss their shots tonight. So I cover that seven. I hear you. Let's look over at the Philadelphia side. I also spoke earlier. I think Joel Embiid's going to have to have a big game and 31 and a half for his point total. I think he can go over that uh, pretty handily. I, I could see him getting 33, 34, who knows, maybe 38 points for the big man for the Sixers tonight. And we talked about Ben Simmons. He is going to have to contribute in a bigger way if Philadelphia is going to advance. I don't really want to touch the point total, but I like over seven and a half rebounds and over seven and a half assists for Simmons. Definitely the, the assist piece for sure, as well as Simmons. Uh, he doesn't want to shoot the basketball, and that's not his strength. So you play to what your strengths are. Defensively, that's where his, his pedigree lies uh, in the NBA is being a great on-the-ball defender and and putting his energies and efforts on the defensive side and then going out and facilitating, even though he has such such size and length over players, no confidence shooting the basketball. So, yeah, I think for the, especially with the assist piece, I think that's where we're going to see a, a lot of opportunities for 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 him to get involved and, and find the post, whether it's rolling through Embiid when he gets tried to get down low here. You talked about Embiid's point total. I think the key for him is going to be getting back to the free throw line. Did not get to the free throw line 
only four attempts in that game six, and he's been living at the free throw line in this series. Prior to that, he was averaging about 13 or 14 attempts per game at the free throw line, so I think that's going to be key, too. I think what we've seen as well, it feels like for a lot of these games, Brady, that for the playoffs, we're not hearing as many whistles. We're not seeing as many free throws in the case for Embiid, aside from Embiid being the exception there. Uh, I think in game seven here, got to let the players play. So is it going to be more physical? I think that's something to keep an eye on too. And if you have an opportunity to have in-game player props, which we do out here in Colorado. There are a couple books that offer in-game player props. I think seeing how the game is being officiated and are the, are these officials letting the players play out, swallowing the whistle, and letting, letting them get physical, I think not only that affects the player props when it comes to, to point totals, but I think that also will affect the overall game total as well. So if you have opportunities to play player props in-game, I think that's something key as we get deep into the playoffs, and in this case, Game 7 here, Brady, how is this game going to be officiated? Do they swallow the whistle? That's where you can make a move with those player props. Very interesting. I did not know they had that. I don't think they have that here in Las Vegas. Very cool. All right, let's look at the Clippers and the Suns game. This one was harder for me to get a feel for, but I did look at Devin Booker going over his point total of 29.5. We know Chris Paul will not be in the lineup. He's going to have to shoulder the load there offensively, and he's had to do it before with Chris Paul out with the shoulder injury back in the Lakers series. So I I think Booker can get to over his point total. I, I think he's going to have to be the focal point of this offense for Phoenix without Paul in the lineup. I'm not sure what to think on the Clippers side. Anything uh, pop out to you in the Clippers Suns game one player props, James? thinking about DeAndre Ayton, and I think more so, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to get involved with the player props. I've already taken a position with the Clippers plus the four. With Chris Paul not being there, have, just really haven't seen how the Suns operate without Chris Paul, considering he played 70 out of the 72 games during the regular season with Chris Paul in the lineup. So how is this going to, what is the flow going to look like for Phoenix Suns offensively? Now, we saw the adjustments that Coach Tyron Lue made during the Utah series and went small and really tried to pull out Gobert from the basket and played a lot of five out sets with going with Nicholas Batum at the five spot and he's a stretch five that can shoot the basketball and really put Utah in a bad spot. Now I think the thing with Utah that was really glaring was the lack of athleticism from their perimeter players on the defensive side and they, I think the Clippers were really able to take advantage of that. Now you're going to face a much more athletic team here with the Suns and a bit deeper team when it comes to the athleticism that'll come off the bench to be able to rotate and close out to the three-point shooters for the Clippers. So I was kind of thinking, well, what does that look like if they go small? DeAndre Ayton is somebody that does have a post game. He can score and finish. It's not Gobert on the other side where he's typically just trying to get offensive putbacks and or lobs off the ball screen. Ayton will play with his back to the basket. He can score and he can run the floor a bit. So if they do go small, I think we're going to see some, some play through the post for the Phoenix Suns in particular because Chris Paul is not there. It can't just strictly fall on the shoulders of Devin Booker to have to carry the scoring load today. So looking at Aiton's point total sitting at 14 and a half, they got to play the over. 
Yeah, I looked at him too. I didn't know to go points, rebounds, but you make a very good analysis there as to what might happen with the Suns' plan for DeAndre Ayton. All right, let's get to the Diamonds real quick. You and I are both looking at the Mets and the Nationals game, and this one's going to go to first pitch here in about 10 minutes, 10.05 a.m. Pacific, 1.05 p.m. Eastern, Taiwan Walker versus Patrick Corbin. Now, I'm not sure which side you're on. You tell me. I don't know if we're oppo or uh, going down the same path here, my friend. Taking Mets first five only here. Going really, Tywan Walker's been special so far this season. Pitched very well. Ten out of his 12 starts for the Mets have resulted in two earned runs or less. So giving quality starts each and every time out there on the mound. Can't say the same for Patrick Corbin. Been a struggle so far this season. And nine out of his 13 starts, he's given up three or more earned runs. And yeah, I know he had a really good start the last time out, but that was against the Pirates. And the Pirates seem to make every pitcher look like Cy Young. So I'm just going to go... <laughs> Five, I'm just going first five because I've been burned the last couple days with these full nines and bullpens just dumping games with some dogs that I've had that had leads going into late innings and couldn't finish. So I'm staying away from the full nine. Plus, I do like the Nats bullpen better than Mets. I'm just going to go first five with Walker on the mound here at even money. It's a, laying a dollar ten. All right. Fair enough. We can both win because I've got the Nationals for the game. I got them at a plus price. They have now flipped to the favorite, a short favorite. Corbin, uh, not the great ERA, but does have a pretty good X fit. And you're right. He is, uh, you know, one good start, one bad. I hope he can put two good ones in a row. But we'll let him go the full game. You can win your first five, and we both celebrate on Father's Day, my friend. You have a great rest of the day. Enjoy the summer solstice. And uh, next up, betting across America with James Salinas and Adam Candy right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 